Japan brought the world the concept of death from overwork. Oh, boy. And they were uh, seen in the 80s when everybody thought Japan was going to take over the world. As, we need to be more like that, where we work ourselves completely to death. Excellent. Uh, but South Korea is now the king of that. And the government is trying to change that by capping work weeks at 52 hours. Because a lot of people are working themselves to death, and the people that aren't are just miserable. It's the suicide capital of the globe, I yep. believe. Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry if I'm stealing your suicidal thunder. No, I got no thunder. <clears throat> um, that is that is an interesting thing, though. I mean, because, you know, you, 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 you want people to work hard and be ambitious and all that sort of stuff. But there are... Um, there are segments of society where, where it, it looks to me, just looking from the outside, people are too ambitious and too competitive. Take it down a notch. Sure. I mean, I just, I have, so I want to be very vague about this, but I know some people, uh, you know, in the, uh, the, the, the later stages of adolescence and school who, I think they're taking it way too seriously. Mm. I mean, I just, I'm not sure that's healthy, but, you know, whatever. There's a great book. What's it called? I was a the slacker, s- so where, who am I to say? But. The Secret Lives of Super Achievers. Or something to that effect. It's a great book about that culture and 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 the damage it does to kids and how crazy it is. Yeah, I mean, you don't get to choose. People are people are you, you know some of it is cultural. See South Korea, sure, but um, some of it is the way you're built. And mm-hmm. you know, I, but I don't I don't want my kids to be complete slackers. But I don't think I want that either. Uh, Balance, yin yang, exactly, et cetera. Uh, in South Korea, so they're trying to taper back how much they work because people are miserable and kill themselves. Listen to this uh, labor stat. On average, South Koreans put in 240 more work hours per year than Americans do. And I thought, oh, okay, that's quite a few. You do the math on that, that's an extra month of eight-hour work days per year that they're doing. Mm. Wow! And America is a hard-working country yeah. compared to a lot of countries in the world. Sure. Slacktonia, for instance. Slacktonia, they hardly do anything. Lazania. Um, although, I might point out... Lay on your butt, Skaya. <laughs> if I was attempting to minimize that, that, that figure, that amount of work, I would say, so they work one-twelfth more than Americans? So what? If they work 25% longer, that'd be something. They work one-twelfth more. What's a twelfth of an eight-hour day? You're better at math than me. You tell me. Well, but when you look at it as an, another month of eight-hour days in a year, that 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 seems like a lot more. Work. Uh, I, I know. It sounds monumental. <laughs> Till you call it one twelfth. Well, anyway, I didn't mean to spend that much time on this because I wanted to get into U.S. Uh, labor situations. I mean, if you just give up your lunch every day, that's an eighth. Yeah. I think the South Koreans need to work harder. Think they're taking the wrong approach. So in the United States, as you uh, heard on Friday, the economy's booming in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, unemployment's as low as it's been for for some segments of society ever. Um, it, it's quite low. Stock market's booming. Blah blah blah. Growth is looking good. Home values. Mm, nervous. Many companies have added uh, added requirements to job postings after the recession. When millions were out of work and human resources departments were stacked with resumes, they could be pretty picky on who they hired. But that's not the way it is today. Candidates have many options because there are so many jobs compared to a few years ago. If a company requires a degree, two rounds of interviews, and a test uh, for your skills, candidates can go down to the street to another employer who will make them an offer with a lot less um, strings attached. Interesting. One in four of the agency's employers, according to this, this is from Bloomberg News, by the way. They study business. 
One in four of the agency's employer candidates have made drastic changes to the recruiting process since the start of the year, such as skipping drug tests or criminal background checks. Or removing preferences for a higher degree or of a, than a high, a high school diploma. So if you've got a criminal past, never made it past high school, and you're high right now. Yes. Yes, you, I am. You might be able to get hired now, and you wouldn't have been able to a few years ago. Wow. Later. They just hold a mirror up to your face, and if you fog it, you're in. <laughs> Before then, the only place I could, I mean, the only place someone could get employment <laughs> like that was radio. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, in the first half of 2018, the share of job postings requiring a college degree fell to 30%, which is down significantly from previous years and has been trending that way for a couple of years as the economy gets better. Uh, only 23% of entry-level jobs now ask applicants for three or more years of experience compared with 29% a couple of years ago, which doesn't sound like a much as a percentage. It's not much, but that puts another 1.2 million jobs in closer reach for applicants Mm. currently, which is a lot of people. You know, the college degree thing is an interesting factor. There are several kind of uh, commingling storylines here. You mentioned, uh, you know, a super achiever person you may be familiar with. I'm familiar with that culture, too. And a lot of that is tied up into the scam that is the modern, crazed, expensive, over-administrated, way beyond its usefulness, American university. All those things are tied in. Then you say, you know, that a very small percentage of jobs really require a college degree. Um, it's just there, there is change coming, definitely, to that whole culture, that whole pathway to success. Uh, and it's good. It's overdue. Yeah, well, yeah, on that, there's a, there's a story going around that some people are really enjoying. Cohen, Trump's lawyer, went to, according to the people who list these sorts of things, the worst law school in America. <laughs> But I don't buy into that crap, so I don't get as much enjoyment out of saying that because I just I just don't. Many of the most a couple the two richest people I know went to colleges that most people a college that most people would laugh at. The two richest people I know, mm-hmm. and I know plenty of happy people who went to colleges that aren't on those top ten lists, and their criteria are often crap in my 100%, opinion. Right. So you know I don't. The fact yeah. that he went to the single last rated one is kind of funny, I guess, but. You know, I have a little uh, request, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to raise my voice because I am kind and magnanimous, as everybody knows. But if, <laughs> if I, anybody was going to describe you, it's kind general, and magnanimous, but they'd be the first two words that came out of their mouth. Some people even call me KM as a nickname. Um, if Michael Cohen's name is uttered on this radio show, I want to hear says who. Is that so difficult to remember? He's, so raised, is, he's raised his is voice. Is that the kind part of the magnanimous part that's causing him to scream you like that? You useless slacker idiots! <laughs> he's talking to you, Sean, I think. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Uh, recruiters, recruiters I'm say... I'm sorry, you said Michael Cohen went to the worst law school in America? No, I... Says who? Well, the, there you go. the lowest rated by people people who rate that sort of Which thing. Which polls? Like I said, I don't <laughs> buy into that sort of polls thing. Polls of law schools. All of them. Some of and them. And your question is? <laughs> <laughs> the tightest job market in decades has left employers looking to tamp down hiring costs with three options. Either offer more money up front, lower the standards, or retain current staff and, and train them. So lowering the standards is what they've gone with. There are a lot of really interesting public-private partnerships going on, too, that Companies, big, giant companies that, you know, they kind of dominate your town, those sort of folks. They've realized uh, we need specialized skills. You got a high school over here. We'll teach you all about Beowulf, but, you know, unless you're going to be a professional Beowulfer or something like that. 
How about we finance the uh, the construction of you know computer science labs and automation labs That's and the rest of it? That's a great idea. It is a great idea, and it's it's yielding really terrific results too. And uh, well, you know, companies do it out of desperation, but necessity is the mother of invention. So it's, so, a, so, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I don't know people for hundreds of years. <laughs> okay, and I didn't bring up Michael Cohen. What's <laughs> the matter with you, idiots? You halfwits. Once again, magnanimous. And kind. Yeah, calm down, KM. So, so, thank you, Michael. Thank you. You're like my comfort animal. You really are. Thank you. So they've eliminated criminal background checks. You don't have to have anything more than a high school degree right. and no drug tests. Right. Unskilled stone ne'er-do-wells, your day has come. Oh, hey, we were talking about the housing prices being on the rise. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's a headline that, that grabbed me by the yahoos. The junk debt that tanked the economy, it's back in a big way. Judy and I were just talking about housing values and whether it's a bubble or not. It's got to be. Well, that's what you said, and I quoted you, and I said, no, 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 it's not, because they're not handing out stupid loans to to crack whores anymore. Penniless people getting million dollars, it's not happening, honey. We'll be fine. Uh, Probably ought to stay tuned for a moment or two. We'll get to that story. Okay. You're not too high and stealing from your employer. Since they'll hire anybody nowadays. Exactly. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Trump's former personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, claims Mr. Trump knew in advance about that June 2016 meeting in Trump Tower, the meeting where the Trump team expected Russians to deliver campaign dirt on Hillary Clinton. Now that is potentially huge and also somehow completely unsurprising because deep down we all assumed that was the case anyway. Breaking news, the president actually knew about a meeting that involved his son, his son-in-law and his campaign manager (laughs) discussing dirt about his greatest enemy that took place where he lived and worked in a building which has his name on it. Well, when you put it that way. Oh, come on. That's not fair. <laughs> that's a pretty good summary right there. Yeah, yeah I saw the, the younger saying yesterday. I, I didn't. I, I never mentioned to my dad. I didn't even remember the meeting. I didn't even remember. That. Really? You don't remember that, that, that somebody said, hey, we, a Russian said, we got a bunch of dirt on Hillary. Oh, boy. And you all sat down and went to the meeting. And then they showed up and they didn't. And they start badgering you about the Magnitsky Act. I think I'd remember that just because it was so annoying. It's possible you didn't mention it to your dad, but was it Don Jr. or uh, or what's his name, uh, the son-in-law, the Ray-Ban guy, who um, Kushner? Yeah, Kushner, who who said it quickly became clear that this was a waste of time. And Jared I, walked out and immediately. And I left. Yeah. yeah, he's a business guy. He's a go go go. He's yeah. he seems like the kind of guy that would identify a meeting as a waste of time quickly and get out. Right, sign <laughs> one. It's a meeting. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, no kidding. kidding. You know, it's funny. And, uh, but Bannon mind. said there's not a chance in hell that they didn't walk those people up to Trump's office. Now, did he just say that to sell a book? I don't know. But before they knew it was a complete waste of time? Well, it must have been, yeah. 
Because Kushner sure wouldn't have afterward. No, no. And and I'd like to talk to John Oliver. I think he's a comedian. He knows who his audience is, and bashing Trump gets your ratings these days. I, I totally get. But um, does he not get my point of view, which is that this Russian babe who was a, a tool of Putin, I mean, she's a spook. She's an agent. Um, she was playing these naive fools. Yeah, but- said, oh, I got all sorts of dirt on Hillary. Yeah, yeah. How about uh, we have a meeting? Yeah. But and you they're really dupes, not that, villains. You really do, you don't think the kids that I assume were in contact with their dad twenty times a day, either face to face or through text or whatever during the campaign, mentioned, "Hey, Russians say they got a bunch of dirt on Hillary. We're going to meet with them today or next week or whenever." You know, in my gut, I have a feeling they mentioned it to him. Sure, yeah. Well, and and uh, Trump, I mean, he constantly says things that don't turn out to be true. The whole, uh, the memo, remember the memo explaining the Don Jr. meeting, the initial yeah. one, he had nothing to do with it, or he, he, you know, tossed his two cents in, or he dictated it. And it's just, it's not always clear which part is true well, and which only, not. So only, I, I don't know, I'm not that worried about it. Only Chris Wallace on Fox pointed out the fact that you can lie to the New York Times. Right. <laughs> you shouldn't, but you can. People, Politicians have done it for years. Right. So Trump coming on saying, no, I didn't know anything about it. Well, and Hillary's people paid Christopher Steele to go to Russia and talk to Russians for dirt on Trump. I'm, so, and come on now, unless you're a child, the whole, well, we didn't do it. Uh, no, you hired somebody to do it. It's the same thing. Come on now. I can't believe I'm even hold. talking about this. Did yeah, I bring this up? Did you bring it up? I did bring it up. Some, Michael, scan the tape, figure out who brought it up, and there will be a punishment. Okay. Listen to this now. I'm just going to give you... This is not as massive as the home loan world. God, I hope not. But this is a really nice piece by Stephen Perlstein in the uh, the Washington Post. Maybe we should have grabbed him. But anyway, he says, like most people, you probably assume that the level of lending done by banks is largely driven by how much demand there is from borrowers. But in the world of modern finance, it's only part of the story. And this is going to ring true to uh, folks who are paying attention during the housing crash. For just as important is the level of demand from investors, pension funds, hedge funds, mutual funds, sovereign wealth funds, whatever that is, and insurance companies to buy the loans that banks make. Indeed, there are times when there's so much demand for loans from investors and the profit from selling them is so lucrative that bankers are only too happy and go out and make bigger and riskier loans than they would have if they were keeping them on their own books. This was the situation in 06 when investors were so keen to own mortgage-backed securities that Wall Street was begging lenders for more and more product, and we all know how that turned out. Well, listen to this. This is the wrinkle. Now it's happening again as investors and money managers scramble to buy floating rate debt, debt offering interest payments that will increase as global interest rates rise, and they inevitably will, as they're expected to over the next few years. A big new source of floating rate credit is the market for leveraged loans, loans to highly indebted businesses, which are then packaged into securities known as collateralized loan obligations, or CLOs. They're uh, up 38% over last year's near record levels, et cetera, et cetera. And credit rating companies like Standard & Poor's and Moody's, who turned out to be in cahoots with some of the evildoers back in the day, uh, warned that some of them, allegedly, one of them, both of them, I don't remember, um, warned that this could, uh, oh, that this has led to a noticeable decline in the quality of the loans. But on and on it goes. Some of these companies are big companies, Dell, Tesla, Uber, 
BMC Software, Japan's SoftBank, uh, etc. And their credit rating, rating is low, so they get these super high-risky loans. They package them up, sell them to investors. And and it, it goes on and on. There was also a, a ruling in court that overturned part of Dodd-Frank that freed them up to do more of this stuff. But, you know, I'm not a big uh, over-regulation guy, obviously. On the other hand, the other side of my coin is if something fails, it fails, and it's dead and it's gone. Well, you abs- absolutely. You do not need regulation, you know, getting back to the housing thing that almost broke the entire world. You don't need regulation on that. If your bank is going to go out of business, if you give bad loans, you'll do the right thing. If you're going to get bailed out, you won't do the right thing. It's mm-hmm. pretty easy. Right. And still, I believe one person's gone to jail out of that whole thing, which is absolutely freaking amazing. Entire thing built on greed and fraud. It's amazing. Just amazing. Yeah, but, yeah. It's humankind for you. If they can do the wrong thing, they will. Yeah, I I hate to be paranoid. I mean, because you got that thing. Um, you got the uh, pension bomb that is out there for the country. There's a trillion dollars worth of cities, counties, and state pensions that they can't pay. Right. That at some point, and hopefully it doesn't all happen at the same time, and they mushroom and build on each other, but it could. And then? Cannibalism. Cannibalism. <laughs> Lawlessness, mobs rampaging through the streets. You'll wish they were zombies. Coming for your flesh, huh? It's a nightmare. Yeah. You can drive yourself crazy if you think about all those things. But I think funny. about cannibalism a lot. I was reading about an author that <laughs> over the weekend in the New York Times book review section, and they asked him what his favorite books were. He said, for some reason, I really like like uh, shipwreck books. He said, as long as it ends up in cannibalism of some sort. Yes! As long as somebody Who eats somebody else. <laughs> I need to follow their Twitter account. <laughs> he said, there was an early book a couple, of years ago, a couple of weeks ago I was reading on, but nobody ever ate anybody, so I was really disappointed. <laughs> There's a lot of That's famous great. famous instances of shipwrecks and whatnot where they ended up eating each other. Well, you got to eat something. Mm-hmm. So you eat Fred. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Whoever's the slowest, or I don't know how you determine who to eat. But. Hey, Fred once said to me, I'd do anything for you. Well, I'll tell you what you're going to do for me now. You're going to lie still. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, yep. It's time for some Fred ham. There you you hear a man driven crazy by starvation. Who turned to cannibalism? God, I referred to uh, we were eating ham. Or it's or, Mel Gibson being Mel Gibson. We were eating either ham or bacon, and I referred to it as uh, you know that's a good slice of pig right there. And both of my kids got disgusted by it. Oh boy, oh boy. Sam couldn't eat the rest of his sandwich after I called and re- referred to it as to what it was. Judy and I had steak Saturday night, and we said, "Let's get some cow. You want some cow? <laughs> yes." What's coming up in your news, Marshall? California police warning they have zero tolerance when it comes to looters in fire zones. Zero tolerance. Appeals court has ruled Trump supporters can sue the city of San Jose and the police for lack of protection at a Trump rally. Stories coming up. We've been on this one from the moment it happened, and we were right. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. We were talking about presentism earlier, and uh, this is going back and um, you know applying people and their what they believed or did a few years ago to the standards of today. 
They may change the name right. of Austin, Texas, because Stephen Austin of Texas um, didn't fight hard enough against slavery back in the day. Yeah, right. Uh, going back through the Twitter feed of athletes and seeing them use gay slurs that were okay 10 years ago but aren't okay now. Or, or I will point out, a lot of those were not intended at all as gay slurs. They were insensitive and they were rude. But they weren't literally slurring gay people. No, well, then they weren't even that big a deal 10 years ago. Obviously, they were in a public forum and nobody was saying anything then. Right, exactly. Uh, Animal House, the movie. Oh. Should we still being allow that to be seen anywhere? A full column on that in the USA Today. I'll read some from, which oh, is, boy. I find, hilarious and scary at the same time. This presentism is going to get us all caught up in its trap. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, that massive car fire continuing to burn around Redding, California. Got at least seven people missing. Six people are dead, including a couple of firefighters. Nearly 100,000 acres burned. 38,000 people have been evacuated. With all their pe- those people out of their homes, looting is becoming another problem. Now, Redding Police Chief Roger Moore says... They have a zero-tolerance policy in place. Looting is a specific crime. We are often getting to these folks before they commit the crime. We just arrested one with uh, illegal weapons uh, in a neighborhood that he shouldn't have been. That was apparently a guy who was on parole who had the uh, guns on him. Wow. So they just took him in. armed looter looking to victimize those who are already victims. I notice he's not spelling out it carries the penalty of this or that. Is it because it's not strong enough? I'm guessing that is the case. It can be a misdemeanor unless you have a TV under your arm. Well, and and thanks to Corruptifornia's ridiculous experiment in unicornism, if it's less than a $900 TV, which is most of them, um, it's a misdemeanor. And there's no way you can patrol an area that big with enough law enforcement. You've got to make it a very, very stiff penalty. I'm for shooting looters. I think that's the way you go about it. It's the way they did it in the Great Earthquake of San Francisco. Got a follow-up on that. you know what it did? It ended looting. It put a stop to looting right away. Got a follow-up on an ugly situation outside a Trump campaign rally in San Jose in June of 2016. Now, a bunch of people fighting in front of us. They're punching each other. They're going down onto the ground. As some of the protesters try to break this up, police have not moved into this area right now. Whatever is making these folks angry, there's now blood as well. Looks like uh, blood coming out of one of the, the protesters' noses. That This is something that we haven't seen in recent days at these protests. Trump supporters beaten by protesters at that rally, and now a federal appeals court's allowing the supporters of then-presidential candidate Trump to move forward with a lawsuit alleging they were beaten after San Jose police steered them into a crowd of anti-Trump protesters. you got a three-judge panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruling police in the city of San Jose cannot claim officers have immunity from being sued in the aftermath of that confrontation. A couple of key quotes, if I might. Number one, from the court, the officers acted with deliberate indifference to a known and obvious danger and violated the Trump supporters' constitutional rights. The other key quote is down below... Stop it. Where is it? Um, The attendees alleged alleged sufficiently that the officers increased the danger to them by shepherding them into a crowd of violent protesters and that the officers acted with deliberate indifference to that danger. The district court thereby correctly denied the officers qualified immunity. Uh, oh, and here's the other key key quote. Um, oh, where is it? I lost it. 
Uh, go on, Marshall. Sorry. It's, I, it's, the, the quote is essentially from the court. I've got a bunch in front of me. Is that when the, when the attendees of the, the gathering arrived, right. there was a chance that they would fall victim to mob violence. But when the police gave them one exit and forced them to go directly into the violent crowd... That enhanced the chance of that happening vastly, and therefore the lawsuit goes forward. We got resent this text by somebody who was there right. and texted us this and a picture the day after it happened. There were more than enough policemen there. Here is a line of them just standing there, and to the right is where people are getting beaten down. We were forced to walk around the block and through that crowd when we could have walked directly to the parking garage, which was right next to where the meeting occurred. I was yelling at them to do something. They just stood there stone-faced. It was a pisser. And then the uh, the mayor, the uh, abhorrent, the disgusting Sam Licardo, gave his seal of approval to it all the next day. Um, so this this is good. This is really really good that this is going forward. Nice job standing up for democracy. San Jose's city attorney uh, Richard Doyle said the city may appeal. He went on to say police did what they could to protect the supporter. No, they you know, didn't. I already characterized it, but here's Senior Judge Dorothy Wright Nelson. Being attacked by anti-Trump protesters was only a possibility when the attendees arrived at the rally. The officers greatly increased that risk of violence when they shepherded and directed Uh the attendees towards the unruly mob waiting outside the convention center. And I would point out, lamb to the slaughter-wise, when the when the, the the brutes, the gangbangers, the fascists, the violent moved in to victimize the old and young alike... The cops just watched. On another note, we've got the priciest piece of property in Los Angeles now on the market. The massive, undeveloped, 157-acre plot of land sits at the summit of a hill that overlooks Beverly Hills. I'll give you 150 grand for it. It's ask- <sighs> Cash. It's asking price, $1 billion. So for twenty percent, right, I give you one hundred and seventy-five grand. So for twenty percent, to put the twenty percent down, I'm going to need two hundred million dollars. Yeah, oh. something like that. Okay. The property dubbed the mountain is the most expensive listing in the history of L.A. The uh, L.A. Times reporting it was once owned by the sister of the late Shah of Iran, TV host Merv Griffin, and then the founder of Herbalife. But nothing has ever been built on it. MBS should buy it. New leader of Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah, and go with the biggest house ever and biggest, biggest yacht, yacht he's got yeah. in the world. All right. <laughs> the biggest yacht that he impulse bought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I like that yacht. Anyway, the land is roughly double the size of Disneyland, a billion-dollar empty lot. Hmm. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. If I was a billionaire, I'd buy it, and I'd put a mobile home on it. And I'd walk around in jean shorts with Budweiser beer and a tank top. <laughs> Look down on L.A. Wonder what the poor people are doing tonight. <laughs> That's what I'd say. <laughs> Why jean shorts and tank top? Why you should not watch the movie Animal House in the hashtag MeToo era. Oh, you know what would go good with my jean shorts and tank top? Those uh, cowboy boot sandals you showed us earlier. <laughs> Have we posted a picture of those? They're absolutely hilarious. Armstrongandgetty.com. You are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
Armstrong and Getty Show. thinking about this over the weekend um this uh whole thing of going back into uh, people's twitter feeds and finding them saying some things that aren't cool today and of course their faces book and you don't have whatever. to go back very many years and and what uh oh i know uh, one of the examples i had was my wife came across this over the weekend the uh this is happening at libraries all across the country apparently um, you told us to bring drag queen story time, and now it's happening. It's all starting Sunday, August 5th at 2 p.m. at the Sacramento Public Library, but this is happening all over the country. Um, Ms. Taryn from Screaming Queens will be reading Green Eggs and Ham. Perfectly describes how drag queen story time captures the imagination and play of the gender fluidity of childhood and could give kids glamorous, positive, and unabashedly queer role models to oh, look up to. Oh, boy. Um, and I won't make any negative comment on that because you can't currently, which is fine or not fine. But this is the, this is the main point. It, most of the stuff you go back 20 years ago, people would say, what are you talking about on a lot of things? Gay marriage, transgender, drag queens reading green eggs and ham at the library. A lot of this stuff. Well, and other issues, driver's licenses for legals, even 10 years ago. The majority of the country would be saying, what? And now it's okay. And if you say anything against it, it can ruin your career. Um, I, I couldn't find I had one story of somebody who was going to miss out on a job because they went back and found a, um, a, a, a text from them or a, a text or a tweet. It was a tweet because it was public. A tweet where they had said they they didn't believe in gay marriage. Mm. And that wasn't, sorry, you can't work oh, here with that homophobe. homophobe. Yeah. A homophobe. When that was the position of Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama in 2008. So has there ever been anything go this fast? Right. In culturally speaking, in history? I don't think so. This is where you get into the Edmund Burke versus Thomas Paine view of culture and how fast you can change things without ripping apart society. Right. And you're certainly testing it because nothing has changed this fast culturally, maybe ever in human history. Uh, Listen, I'm not really a pompous bastard. I just play one on the radio, but uh, you'd have to be a pompous bastard not to forgive youth for lacking wisdom. But youngsters, uh, progressives, uh, social justice warriors, I'm going to point out something that's obvious to those of us who have lived a little. You, with your current super enlightened attitudes, that fit in great, and you're lauded for them, you're congratulated for them, you get lots of likes on your Facebook page. Those very beliefs and attitudes will be out of date in seven or eight years because there's a constant need to be aggressively better than everybody else and more progressive. You will be the next people outed and ruined for not being psychics and or owners of a time machine and reflecting the attitudes of the future during the present. You'll be next! So settle down! Stop victimizing people! Allow people a little changing of mind or personal growth. It's part of being human. Well, or what if you didn't change your mind? 
What if you d- didn't change your mind? You're saying you changed your mind so you get to keep your job or your endorsements. or Hater! Hater! What if you didn't change your mind and you have the position that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton had 10 years ago? Right. You still, you just can't do that. You can't say it out loud. You can't, actually. Yeah. You can't actually and do endorsements or anything. Well, you're on the wrong side of history, which is a phrase I absolutely love because it implies that there's only one possible course in history, and it has two sides, well, probably, which is a pretentious as hell thought. I would say on gay marriage, you probably are on the wrong side of history, but do you uh, do you get flagged for the rest of your life for uh, for having a position that... Lots of people had yes. just a couple of years ago. And, and often you're quote-unquote flagged by people who uh, may have shared your opinion, but they're anxious to show that they're more devout than thou. Um, you know, we're, we've talked about this sort of thing, uh, cleansing history, changing the name of Austin, tearing down Civil War statues, uh, Confederate statues, I should say. And, and that's a complicated history because a lot of those statues went up during the Civil Rights era. They were less about the glories of the Civil War and more about FU federal government and we like the South. Um, well, and everybody again, agrees. It's, more, it's that's more complicated than that. I think the issue that slavery is a bad idea is pretty settled. Right. But uh, this is a great quote from George Orwell from 1984. Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Here's your key phrase. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. If you want more people from where they've come from, where we've come from, the evolution of thought, the evolution of uh, evolution of power and political power, if you can unmoor people from that and just frighten them into agreeing with you all the time, if they don't know their history, they don't know the record, they won't be able to object. And that is, that's the goal of Marxism. And fascism to a large extent, too. The, the endless present in which the party is always right yeah and just as an observer it'll be interesting to see where this goes i i don't think there's somebody you know people that are into history point out to me when a culture has changed this fast ever in history S- societal norms it's really interesting hey kids it's that time again with armstrong and getty I love the way they do that. you got to work on your enunciation. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody to wrap up the show. Hey, it's Michelangelo. Michael, what's your final thought for us? Lighten up, people. Things were different then. Leave the film or art as it was originally created. Airplane, blazing saddles, totally politically incorrect, but I love them. Mm -hmm. Positive, Sean, your final thought. Yeah, a series update. There is uh, the the season... The season finale of Succession is uh, coming up this Sunday on HBO. If you want to binge it this weekend, catch up on it. I really recommend it. It's freaking hilarious. All right. Good tip. Marshall Phillips, final thought. Well, I got to tell you, after hearing about the success of that vest vending machine at San Francisco International, I am going to see (laughs) what other clothing vending machine opportunities are out there. How about those like ankle length pants that guys wear these days? Is that still hot? You gotta sell those. With the crazy socks. Yeah, Jack, do you have a final thought? I quote the creator of the event. It's been a wild ride, but all rides end eventually. It seems like it's the end of the road for brony culture. That's grown men who are really into My Little Pony. The brony convention, this will be the last year. It's just not uh, bringing in as many people as it used to, so it's apparently over. Kind of the Sorry, ice. bronies. It's the ice hockey of gender-bending weird hobbies. It's just uh, not what it used to be. Adult men who are into My Little Pony. 
My final thought is it's great to have Little D home for, for a little while anyway. We sat down yesterday. We watched Shark Week together, which is something we've done for years. Shark Week has become an embarrassment. Discovery Channel, your your show, your week is Jump the Shark. It's time to introduce Ape Week or Lion Week or Whale Week or Canary Week or something, because Shark Week is dumb now. I like the marsupial month. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I'm in. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling for our workday. So many people who thanks so little time, go to armstrongandgetty.com. All of our uh, contact information is there. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We tweeted and posted the link to me singing with the Decemberists, such as it is. And the cowboy boot sandals at armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. Breaking news. The president actually knew about a meeting that involved his son, his son-in-law, and his campaign manager discussing dirt about his greatest enemy that took place where he lived and worked in a building which has his name on it. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.